Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Awesome, awesome year it's been. Let's come on, let's give God our best real quick if you believe He's worthy. Come on, just give Him a shout of praise. We're here for you, Lord. We thank you for what you've done all year long. We thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to come. I pray for someone in this house today to know that the best is yet to come in 2022 for them. Lord, that you're not done with us, that you haven't forgotten about us, that they were your idea. God, I thank you that you are in this place. Jesus, we look to you. Anything can happen because you're here. We give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. Jesus is here and anything can happen. Uh, If you're not used to worshiping like that, then you're going to have trouble in heaven. So we're trying to get you ready. Uh, for heaven, and uh, it's going to be loud in heaven, it's going to be a little bit rowdy, and uh, people are going to be on their faces at the altar of Jesus night and day, worshiping God, and so we want to prepare an atmosphere. Uh, I was talking uh, with uh, Barbara Mosley right here, her and Reggie went down to uh, the SEC championship game, Uh, come on, they're Alabama fans, well, he's an Alabama fan, she's just going along to support him, and uh, and she was telling me, like, at the game, they put up, like, like, the big jumbotron, like, clap, you know, and everybody started, more noise, you know, louder, and just the whole stadium was, she goes, that place is a sanctuary, <laughs> you know, and the reality is, it, it, it really is, and, uh, and, and I said, you know what, maybe we need to put up here big signs like, clap, more noise, praise, you know, and just begin to get us prepared like we'd be at a an SEC championship because we haven't seen one in a while, but one day we will in Jesus' mighty name. (laughs) Uh, Today is Vision Offering Sunday. You guys happy to be here for Vision Offering Sunday? It's going to be an awesome day. Uh, These are in your seat. We're going to save this for the end, and uh, I'm going to share just what God's put on my heart for December and and some thoughts about uh, just his word and and who he is and what, what it's going to look like for our Christmas season, um, we also have some invites on your seat, just some simple uh, light invites for our Christmas service. And so there's, I think, two on each seat. I would just encourage you, begin to pray and ask God who you'd invite to our Christmas service. We have three services we're going to do. And so as you can see, it's pretty full in here. We're going to do uh, three services and just believe to reach people with, with light, the light of Jesus. And uh, I believe God's going to change people's lives. And I, I pray you'd be praying with me uh, to be uh, an army for God this season. And uh, we're praying for 2022. You saw some cool stuff on the screen. Uh, We have more to do in 2022. Um, I'm believing God to start up kind of like a school of the prophets type type environment to be trained and and, and really to see people raised up as disciples, uh, learning how to pray, learning how to prophesy, learning how to uh, lay hands on the sick, learning how to go and make disciples. Come on, Jesus did not die for you to come in here and look at the back of someone's head. He didn't, he didn't die for us to sit in safety. He, he died uh, to save souls, uh, to forgive humanity of sin. And so we need to be uh, charged up, empowered, trained, uh, not just to hold doors. That's a blessing. Come on, we need door greeters. Come on, somebody. We need that. Thank you for all the greeters and ushers and everybody that makes everything pretty and all that. It's amazing. There's gifts and talents and all that. Th- those people also need to be able to hear God as you walk through the door and go, oh, Jesus just said this about your life in Jesus' name. And listen what God wants to do in your life this year, where we begin to hear God and be raised up. So we want to see that happen in 2022. We're going to start uh, not just a leadership academy, but really an impartation type 
type environment in school where you can be raised up and trained. I think sometimes for people, I mean, listen, I've been walking with the Lord for 20 plus years. Sometimes we take for granted hearing God and praying for others, right? And so some of you have been walking with the Lord so long, you just take for granted what it means to hear God and flow and move in giftings and move in the callings of God. Many of you are new to that kind of thing, and God wants to equip and train you to be raised up in that uh, for his kingdom. We want to see uh, our, our influence expand, our diaper bank. We want to see that grow. We want to see um, a uh, uh, for moms in emergency need have like a baby store we can help uh, with our with our generous house we want to see uh, more food going out to to feed the hurting and the and the homeless and the sick come on yesterday we had tons of people getting gifts and food thank you for serving at serve knock saturday yesterday it was awesome kids kids were getting gifts and and presents i heard one story a, a lady walked up and spoke only russian and somehow some people at one of the tables began to speak Russian with them. They, 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 were, they, they knew some Russian and they got on the app. Thank God for Google somebody. They, they, and they began to use some translation app and were able to, to, to give food to her and bless her in the name of Jesus in Russian. That was awesome. Um, and so we want to continue to extend that. And then, and then we're praying big time for a South, a South influence, a South, a Southward influence of what God's doing here in our church uh, in that direction. And so just be praying, uh, be praying all service uh, about what he'd have you do at the end. Here's the thing. We, I pray we would do it sacrificially and joyfully. And, and we're going we're gonna to bring all of it together. We're going to put some uh, boxes up here. We do this once a year. And uh, I would just have you and your spouse pray, or you by yourself if you're not married, or you and your significant other. And y'all begin to pray about God, would, uh, what he'd have for you uh, to do, that we could be light and extend the gospel in our city and around this region. Because God's just getting started, and the best is yet to come. Let's jump into the word today. Um, I'm going to... Uh, share out of Matthew. I'm going to share about a light all, all of December, just looking at light. I'm going to look at a verse where in Matthew 5, Jesus is coming out of one of the greatest messages he's ever preached. Uh, obviously, he, all of his messages were good, uh, but this is one of the, the pinnacle messages of Jesus. It's the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Um, many believe that he was looking at a city as he taught this from the, from the hillside. You could see a city that was on a hill. And at night, it was lit up. Obviously, all could see it. But in the day, you could see it as well. It couldn't be hidden. He tells us this. A city on a hill is not hidden. It couldn't be hidden in the day. It couldn't be hidden at night. And so Jesus begins to tell us what it looks like to be light of the world. In John, he says that he's the light of the world. But here, he says that you and I are the light of the world. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16 is where we'll be reading today. This is what the word says. You are the light of the world. You, you are the light of the world. Literally, it's emphatic in the Greek. It literally means that there is no other light in the world. There's no other light. That, that the rest of the world is darkness. And that you, a follower of Jesus, you, one empowered by the Spirit of God, you are actually the only light of the world. Come on, no pressure. <laughs> Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. Thank God that he empowers us to be light. But literally, Jesus is saying that you and I, the responsibility of light, that you are the light in a dark world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Come on, look at that, the house first. Come on, your own house, the house of God here, that our lights come together and give light to one another. There's light in the house. And then let your light so shine before men, then out there. So in the house and then out there. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. They may see your sermons. They may see your pointing out their, their sins and mistakes and that, 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 every, that hell, they're going to go to hell. 
No, no, no. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. That they may see your good works and my good works and our church's good works and glorify our Father in heaven. My title for today is, is very simple. It's the holiday season, so I think it's an appropriate title, Light Responsibly. Light Responsibly. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you that we get to be the light and that it's not on us, that we're not, we're not the light. You said in John 8, you're the light, that we are reflectors, Lord, that we would just reflect you clearly, passionately, boldly, bravely. Lord, that we would not let anything hinder. We wouldn't cover our light. We wouldn't hide our light, that we would, we would figure out, empowered by you, how to, how to let good works be seen before humanity so they might glorify you in heaven, that we would light responsibly this season in Jesus Mighty name. Amen? Light responsibly. I've got a flashlight right here, and uh, I have three teenagers, two teenage boys, and so if you have teenage boys, then you know what it means to tell them to not shine the flashlight in your eyes. Stop that sun. Stop. And so we, I was looking for the big giant spotlight. We've got a giant spotlight that you can light up the entire backyard. And I asked my wife last night, hey, I need the spotlight for this illustration. She goes, I've hidden that spotlight because your oldest son shined it in our lights and our eyes so many times and blinded us. I was like, oh, we, I'd really need it. I mean, so this is a great light. It gives, it gives some light. It's not as big as a giant spotlight. But if I begin to walk down here with this light and take it and shine it right into your eyes, I mean, it is not very friendly. It is not very appealing, and it's not very responsible. It could actually probably do a little bit of damage in someone's eyes, especially that big giant, I don't know, the, the, the spotlight that we had. And so that, that is hidden. I think oftentimes we go and we think we're called to be light, and we're shining that stuff right into people's eyes, almost blinding them in a way, going, wait a minute, that's not the way that God's called us to shine light. We're called to light up the world responsibly. Does that make sense? I mean, e even when you get on the highway and someone leaves their bright lights on, what, there's some words that come out of your mouth that are not so friendly. There's some actions. You begin to, you know, you begin to flash your brights back at them, and there begins a little, little light war. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, the brights. And then, and then they're mad, and they flash their brights at you, and they got the new car that has the nice halogens, and it's not really bright lights, and you feel stupid because it wasn't brights. Sorry, that's just, that's just me. <laughs> You're convicted because you were, you know, flashing your brights in their eyes, right? G Jesus says, let your light shine to this little group of followers. And they're like, what does that mean? What do you, what do you mean? Like, the, you're the light of the world. You're the only light the world has. Well, okay. And then what, do you, what does that mean? Don't hide it. Well, let it shine day and night. Okay. And, and how? That you would do good works. And that people would actually see your good works. Not, not, not the world being won by a billboard, not the world being won by the sermons we preach, not the world being won by how, how, much we, we, how much theology we know. That He says literally that they would see your good works and realize that you live differently. Not that, and listen to me, as I preach this today, do not read into that I'm saying get rid of values and, and, and that sin's not an issue and that there's no darkness. Do not leave here going, oh, he just says, that there's just, no, that we have values, we have kingdom principles, we live by those. That's what makes people see our good deeds. That's what makes the world see that we're actually different. And Jesus is saying, actually, light responsibly, live and shine in such a way that you make a difference. 
Live and shine that you make a difference in your home, that you make a difference at your workplace. I'm a little convicted because I've been doing little extra things around the house and my wife's so surprised by it. Like it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. She's like, my God, I'm noticing some things around here. I'm like, yes, you are, baby. Come on. And, and I, and, and, but, 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 you know, is it a surprise when you do a good work at, at work? Is it a surprise when you begin to do something at home? Are, are people surprised that, wow, what, well, this is different? You know, no, it says that that's how we should live. I mean, I think the world has felt so judged and so looked down upon by Christians and the church that sometimes, you know, the reality is that light is meant to shine, meant to lead the way for those in darkness. And, and hear me, you, light has no point apart from darkness. Light is not effective if it's not up close and personal to darkness. Some of you and, and me sometimes are so scared of darkness, so scared of different thought patterns, so scared of the world that we think that we're going to open up the doors of our home and darkness is just going to flood into our homes. It's not how it works. At night, when you open up the doors of your home, light floods out of the house. Light floods out into the streets. Darkness doesn't flood into the home. And so if we're going to be light, we have to, have to live in a way. Jesus did it. He got up and close and personal with darkness. Come on, he got up next to the wicked tax collector, Matthew. He said, come follow me. He got up next to Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house today. I'm going to hang out with you. He got up close to Judas, had Judas, a thief on his team. Come on. Come on, he had Judas. Judas was the one that really got him to his destiny. Usually it's your enemies that get you closer to God's plan than your friends. Because you pray more, you seek God more. You ask for help more. So, so here, here's, here's what Jesus is saying, I, I think, in a way. It's easier to make a point than to make a difference. And a lot of times we want to make points everywhere we go. I'm going to make this theological point. I'm going to make a point. I'm talking about being light to the world. I don't want to make a point. I'd rather be a church and be a people that make a difference than make a point everywhere we go. It's just, it's just, it's just hard to make a difference. I think a lot of times we want to take a lot of stances, but we don't want to take a lot of chances. And, and so it's easy. We, we're going to stand. We're going to stand. If you're just taking stances, you know when Ephesians says, and once you've done all to stand, stand, that's against the devil. That's not against people. Well, I'm just going to take a stance here with people. No, no, no. God's told us to walk with people by faith, to walk the two miles, the extra mile. Come on, the seven-mile journey on the road to Emmaus. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm just saying there's, a, there's some chances. Somebody took a chance on you. God took a chance on me. I think it's important when we think about light and December and Jesus being the light, but you being the light, that we would, we would allow it to be a little messy. It can be a little confusing. It's not just clean and cookie cutter that we're going to get into darkness and we're going to be a light in a dark world. Does that make sense, guys? Here's some ways that, that Jesus did it. Do you know that Jesus and Paul never set themselves against culture, ever? The only people that Jesus and Paul set themselves against was the Pharisees, Sadducees, and religious elite. They, they, didn't, they didn't set themselves against culture. They infiltrated culture, literally so much so that by 300 years B.C., or excuse me, 300 years A.D., the entire world, Roman world, a very dark world, had been turned upside down, and Christianity was the common religion of the day. In 300 years, Christianity had infiltrated the planet in a way because these men infiltrated culture. And I'm going to give you 
three simple thoughts on how they were light. And uh, just, I don't know, it's just some real simplicity. I, I just think as you go into your workplaces, as you go out through this Christmas season, as you begin to, to reach out to people, you just begin to ask God, how can I do these things? Number one, they were constantly building real relationships with those in darkness. They were constantly building relationships with people in darkness. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, what's the point of being light if you're never around darkness? Is it to come to church and light up the person in front of you's head? <laughs> I mean, what's the point? Like, like we, we, this is great. We're going to come together, and we all have light, and we encourage each other, and we recharge our batteries, and we re recharge our lights, and we learn what, what it means to be strong together, but then we go out into a dark world, and we bring light into these places. Light doesn't make a difference unless we're amongst people that have darkness in their life. Does that make sense? The whole entire world is dark. Paul came up to a place in Corinthians, and, and, and there, was this, there were idols everywhere. And there was this altar, and it was called the altar to the unknown God. They actually had an altar with no idol on it because the, the Athenians didn't want to offend any god. So they had this one altar that they didn't know which god that was, and so they had this empty altar that just said the unknown god. Paul could have easily come up and began to preach against all their idols. There was tons of idols. Look at all the idols in your city. Look at all the, all the false religion. Look at all the news. Look at all the worship that's going on in the fallen, broken world. Look at what, look how dark it is. He didn't do any of that. He actually found common ground. He looked at the altar and he goes, oh, wow, one to the unknown God. Hey, guys, we got a lot in common. That's what he did. He found common ground. He goes, I see that you're very religious. So am I. And he began to preach Jesus and preach light and preach resurrection and preach that you don't have to die in darkness. I'm not saying we don't preach the truth, but I'm saying it's done through a relational uh, connection where people that are in darkness can now begin to hear uh, the light of God, not us just trying to condemn and preach at them. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't know, man. I, I hope I'm helping. We need a generation of people that aren't concerned about their safety, but are concerned about salvation. We just want to keep everybody safe and keep everybody away from sin and keep everybody healthy and whole and keep everybody. And we just want safety and safety and safety. And no more variants and no more you know, diseases. And we got to be safe and we can't go out and I can't let it, you know, my family around anybody. And, and we just got to be careful. And it's my little family and we're going to go to church and we're going to keep all of our values intact. Jesus didn't do that. And while you sit safe, with people that are the, exactly the same as you, Jesus is out there meeting sinners that need the gospel. Oh, I just pray for a generation, myself included, that wouldn't be so fearful about safety. We would be so convicted about people needing salvation. We'd get around them and we'd open up the doors of our home and we'd let light penetrate darkness at the risk of some stuff. Oh, God's big enough. Come on. They built real relationships with people. When's the last time you had your home full of people that weren't like you? Come on, I went to, I went to my, my, I was at my, my Thanksgiving. Y'all don't even want to know about my Thanksgiving. Like, that was crazy. But, it, but we were light. And do you, know, do you know something? Not one time did I have to begin to preach the gospel in their face or anything. They, they began to ask me about it. They began to open the door around me. I just hung out, had some good wine, had a good meal. Uh-oh. Hung out with people, was, was, was like Jesus, you know, and, th and then they came to me. Well, you know, aren't there a lot of ways to God? Well, actually, no, there's not. 
I didn't even have to do it. Like, like they began to say, I mean, it was just like, and then, you know, Jesus would do that, and he'd ask another question. Well, well you know, what do you, what do you think, you know? Well, there's this, and, and no, and then one, was, one person was talking to my wife. You know, you have your absolute truths, and we have our absolute truths. And she's like, well, I'm absolutely sure that our truth is, is real truth, you know? There's absolute, I mean, I'm just, you just, as you're light, you, people are attracted to light. Does that make sense? Number two, they were not afraid. Paul and Jesus, I'm just talking about these guys, and really all the early disciples, they were not afraid to risk their reputation to love people. They weren't afraid to risk their reputation. They, I mean, Jesus all the time would go to places, and they're like, dude, you can't go there. You can't meet with them. You can't go hang out with them. And, and they didn't care. They weren't driven by popular opinion. If, if you're going to reach people, you're going to get some people upset with you and mad at you and go, man, look who they're hanging out with, and they probably shouldn't have beat around that crowd. And, and, I don't, and, 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 and here's the reality. Jesus, Paul, and, and I hear something going on. I hear like a, it might be the, that's the worship going on in the kids' ministry. Come on, somebody. Yes. That's awesome. That's some bass out there in the kids' ministry. Get them, Jesus. I'm like, what is that? It's a noise from heaven? Like, My Lord, it is. It's worship in the kids' ministry. That's why we're doing a vision offering. We want to reach more kids. I mean, come on, somebody. I, I, we're, uh, Paul, listen to this. Paul, Jesus, and all the Pharisees would pass the same theological test. They, they, they would all have an agree theologically. But, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those guys... They, their motive and application was a thousand percent different than what Paul and Jesus walked in. Here, here's what the Lord told me. Paul, the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious elite, they thought they were the center of the world when they were supposed to be the light of the world. And, and a lot of times we think we're the center of the world. And, and let me ask you a question. Do, you, do any of you have a light in the middle of your room on a lampstand? No, no. It's off in a corner. It's up on the ceiling. It's in some obscure area of the room, not meant to draw attention to itself, but meant to give clarity to the environment that everybody's in. That's what we're called to be as the church. We're not the center of the world. Whenever we're trying to be the center of the world and the center of legalistic standard, the center of, of all of, of you know, God, we're, you know, we're taking God's place on the throne. The reality is we're just called to be a light to those that are in darkness. And risk, I'm just challenging you, risk your reputation. People said it about Jesus. They called him a drunkard and a sinner. Like, what they were saying is when you go around those people, Jesus, that you're actually, your reputation is the same as theirs. They're like, do you, do you agree with everything they're doing? I'm not saying that we agree with everything they're doing. Jesus is like, no, God forbid, I'm going to die for sin soon on a tree. Sin's going to kill me soon. It's a big deal. But I'm going to go around and I'm going to risk my reputation to get around some people that need the gospel. I met a 90-pound girl in Dallas. She was an evangelist. She got uh, saved from Deep Ellum. It was an area in Dallas where all the clubs were, and there was some demonic clubs. And one of them was a screamo demonic club. And she was a little 90-pound screamo artist, and she would just go at it for the devil. She got saved radically and came out, and then about six months later began a screamo band and went back into that bar where she had gotten radically saved. And many of the Christians in the church she was in and around her began to judge her harshly and was like, you can't go back in there. And she goes, God came into hell and saved me. Why would I not go back in there and use what God's given me to reach people that are in hell in there? And I, I just, 
I just want us to build relationships and to risk our reputation. Years ago, as a church, we gave away shot glasses. I don't know if many of you were here, uh, but we gave away, we, we, yeah, come on, Stephen, what's up, man? We, uh, we, we, we had a lot of people leave our church. Nick was here and a few others were here. Um, God gave me an idea to make shot glasses and put the name of our church on it. And then at the bottom, say, give us a shot. And we put Easter invites in every shot glass. And I got permission to go into the local bar right by our church. And we set up pyramid-style tables with shot glasses on them and, and right in the middle of the bar. Ruined their whole buzz all night long. It was so awesome. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we were inviting, the, the bar owner was an atheist. And, and, and when I told him the idea, he's like, anybody crazy enough to do that, I'm willing to let them invite people to, to Easter service in my church, in my bar. I just want to say, we're crazy enough to go and risk our reputation and to, and to re we're going to do anything short of sin to reach people for the gospel. And, and somebody said to me, or they accused me of that sin. They're like, that's just sin, pastor. That, is, that shot glass is an instrument of unrighteousness. And I was like, how many do you get when you go to Starbucks in your shot glass? One shot or two, because it's the same glass that you're pouring caffeine in every morning. It's just a matter of what goes inside of it. And what's inside of it is an Easter invite, somebody. And the bartender got saved, his family got saved, and they've been coming to our church for years. I don't know. Be willing to risk your reputation. You know, did we fill them up for people? No. <laughs> somebody asked us to. Would you, are y'all filling these up? No, that's on you. I'm going to be honest. One dude, he, 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 I'm off topic, okay? But I'm just, this is the sermon. <laughs> one, one dude was like, he's, he's at a table with all of his, I remember it. He's at a table with all these people and his girlfriend, uh, they they're, they give the shot glasses out. And we're like, yeah, we're just giving a shot, inviting you to Easter. Like, come on, give us a shot. And the girl, the, 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 the guy, he goes, this is literally what he said. He goes, hell yes. Some of y'all are more upset about me saying that than you are about being light in a dark world. He said that. I'm just quoting him. I'm not, okay, calm down. He said that. And then his girlfriend goes, you mean hell no, honey. It's a church. I was like, listen to her, bro. Listen to her. She, tried. she started preaching the gospel for me right there. Hell no. That's why we're doing this. Hell's real, people. Heaven's real. Salvation's real. Jesus came to save souls from sin. How do we go about giving that message is the motive and the, and the application that's important, that we'd be light and we'd make relationships, and it's a lot easier to, to make a point than it is to make a difference. Uh, you know, I, I, was at, I went to, I'm not going to say any names, but I was at a Thanksgiving. I'm going to say I'm gonna say the name. I was at John and Angel Farner's house at, 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 for a Thanksgiving meal. And, you know, there was houses full of people from the neighbors and different people. Man, I love y'all's heart of hospitality and the heart of opening up your home and watching you weep and cry at the atmosphere of God in our lobbies and in this place. And you're, but your home is the same. You opened your home up that same way, and it's, it's happening in your house. And there were some sketchy characters there. <laughs> My wife tells me, she's like, hey, I, w I was inside, and I had to go out and tell that John there was a guy in there with all the purses, you know? <laughs> I'm like, that's their neighbor, babe. It's okay, you know? But it might not have been. It probably wasn't. You were like, thanks for telling me. My point is, like, we're like light to the world, like reaching people, inviting people, risking your reputation. Yeah. Oh, come on. I love Jesus. I love church. I love risking it. Come on. 
They accused him of hanging out with sinners, and he did, and he wasn't condoning their behavior. He wasn't participating in their, in their activity. You know, he was, he was enjoying life and befriending people. Number three, uh, very simple thought. They didn't, this is so important, especially right now, so important right now. They didn't get dragged into silly arguments about stuff that didn't matter. I was like, uh, I just think, it was so funny. Where's Nina? I, I posted something. We, were, uh, we had a little debate uh, online about, about cl- movie clappers or no movie clappers. Come on. Where are my non-movie clappers at? Come on, clap for me. Yeah. In, G- in Jesus' name. Come on, Drew. I saw it. I'm with you, man. And, and, and somebody, the staff got so upset with me, several of them, and Justin, our worship pastor included, he's like, you're ruining all of our fun. He's like, do you... He's like, do you clap at football games? I'm like, it's not the same, dude. He's like, yeah, that's a 15-second delay. That game's already happened. It's not even in real time. He went low. I was like, below the belt. I'm like, that's CBS Live, baby. Don't you dare. It's like, I'm rooting on my team. I don't cheer on actors. Come on, get your line. You know, you don't do that. But I made a statement about the debate, and you said a beautiful comment. You said, thank God that these are the type of debates that we're having. You know, thank God that we're not bashing each other on social media, and we're not killing each other, and we're not trying to make points everywhere. We're trying, we're trying to make a difference in places. Man, come on, quit using your social media to make your point everywhere. Learn to hold your opinion. Social media is for social, social <laughs> interaction. I know that many of us, it's a ministry, and you get, it's hard to make a a difference across social media. I promise you, I've seen the landscape of it in all of its facets. You do not make differences in social media. You make points. And it's out of context, usually. It's out of character, usually. It's out of the intention and motive of the heart, because there's no body language, there's no explanation, and there's no communication apart from just the text And we miss context when it's just text. I just, are y'all hearing me? Let's don't get dragged into silly arguments. You're like, well, where does that, where where does that in the Bible? They're like, you know, hey, who do I give, who do I pay this taxes to? Jesus didn't get dragged into that. He's like, hey, look at that. Give to Caesar's what's Caesar's. Give to God's what's God's. Don't worry about it. I mean, they tried to drag him into another argument in Luke 13. This is a crazy one. This is, this is Luke 13, 1 through 5. It says, They were present at the season, some who told him, Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the sacrifices. That's freaky. We're like, it's so dark. They were, Pilate had killed some Galileans, taken their blood, human sacrificial blood, and mixed it inside of, of religious sacrifices. And, and they bring it up to Jesus, try to get him into this little, this, little, this little argument, this little weird, I don't know even what was going on. They try to get him into this weird thing. And Jesus said this, and Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I'll tell you the truth, no. But nonetheless, unless you repent, you'll likewise perish. And then, and then he says, or do you think the 18 who the Tower of Siloam fell on, were, who got killed, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you'll likewise perish. I mean, he had a, he had a way of not getting drug into the 
stupid stuff like the why and who sinned and why they sinned and the tower fall on them because they sinned and there's blood and the sacrifices and what's going on, Jesus? The world's demonic and there's, there's child sacrifices and there's this and there's that. And, there's, and uh, yeah, there's a, it's a wicked, messed up world we're in, guys. But Jesus just said, yeah, unless you repent, unless you give your life to Christ, unless you get saved, you'll also perish. I think that we could carry that message in a way without getting pinned into all the silly peripheral things that don't matter. Does that make sense? Uh, let, me, let me say it this way. When there's an absence of light, we fight stuff that doesn't matter. And many times, here's what happens. Many times we're in darkness ourselves, so we're throwing punches at stuff that doesn't matter. I was in Florida, and, and uh, my wife, like she does, made me go check for a noise in the dark. Come on, man. We should be honored for that. Just There should be some type of day for that. Father's Day, a different day than Father's Day. A father in the dark day. You know what I'm saying? And and we're and we're I'm I'm gonna die. We're in Florida. First time I've ever been there. She's like, someone's in the house, in the condo. I'm like, all right, I'll go look. I was mad. I'm walking down the hall with a flashlight. What am I gonna do with a flashlight? I've got I know I didn't have a flashlight. Lights, I didn't have a flashlight. I'd have, I would have been happy with that. I'm walking down the hall. And and the luggage rack that they put at hotels that you carry in your bags on that has the big thing like that. That was in the little, in the, in the hallway. And there was clothes hanging on it. <laughs> You're lucky I'm still here. Like my heart, I had a heart attack. I think I was, I was resuscitated. I began to, yeah! <laughs> I was, Right there in the, it was a, it was my shirt hanging on the clothes rack and the outline of a person in the hallway in the dark with my wife made me go check. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die. When, here's the thing. When we're in darkness, when there's no light, you're fighting stuff that doesn't even matter. You're fighting forms of religion. You're fighting, trying to make points about stuff. You're boxing against the air of stuff that has no danger to it. I need light. I want light. They, 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 they. They didn't get drug into all the stuff. Come on, guys, y'all hearing me? Number four, they didn't judge. This is important. They did not judge non-Christians for behaving like non-Christians. Can I tell you that the church loses its influence when we begin to police the behavior of culture? Paul, Paul never said police the behavior of non-Christians. He actually rebuked the, the Corinthians and says, why are you judging people that aren't in the church? They never ascribed to the, the Christian values and principles. He said, let judgment begin in your own house, in your own heart, in your own life. He's like, let, let's let judgment begin in the church. Let's begin to actually be the church and look at each other and go, you know what? That ain't right. You know what? I love you, but we need to live pure. You know what? I, I, we're a family, and this ain't good for you. You're like, hey, you're doing great here. Good job. I encourage you. You're not doing so good here. We have to know each other to do that. And let that kind of life, as we begin to be built into a family, begin to create a, a freedom in us. And then we can go out into the world, not judging the world, being light to the world. Does that make sense? Let's don't get drug into things and try to, try to police the bit. We lose. Uh, let's just be better people ourselves. Let's live holier. Let's be more honest. Let's be more joyful. Let's be more true. Let's be more holy ourselves and watch what that does as we go out into a dark world. It's not our business to try to judge the behavior of the, of the world. Listen, listen to this thought. Behavior change is always based on a relational bridge. All behavior change in my life happened from a relational bridge. 
happened from somebody that wasn't trying to judge me, wasn't trying to point a finger at me, but tried to build a relationship. I'm going to end with this verse. I got a little a thought here. I just want you to know this. This is, this is going to stretch us. Jesus was the chief defender of the sinner. Everything about his life defended the sinner. Has he defended any of you? Has he loved any of you? Has he taken a chance on any of you? I want to build relationships, not barriers. I want to build bridges, not barriers. Here's the last verse, and I want to pray for us. We're going to bring these buckets forward. And this is why, this is why we're doing a vision offering, to be light, to reach a world that's in darkness to extend our influence and our reach. Colossians 4, 5, and 6, an amazing verse. Listen, this is a light verse. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, those that aren't believers. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Listen to this, making the most of every opportunity. How? Let your conversation be always full. Everybody say full. Full. Full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, Paul's teaching us, here's what happens. I'm gonna, I want you to build some relationships, and over time, you're going to have some people that you're in a relationship with, you can flu- influence, that are outside the faith. I want you to be wise. I want your conversation to be full. Here's grace. I want your conversation to be full of grace. I'm taking it, I'm just full. What's full? It's to the brim. Full, right there. That's full. It all, it's, it's spilling over a little bit as I, move, as, I try to, as I try to give some grace. It seems it's a little bit messy. It's, it's full of grace as I go to try to give some, somebody grace, as I go to try to live and, and be a part of your life. There's so much grace. It just, it seems, it doesn't even seem right. Full of grace. Let my conversation be full of grace that God died for you, that God is not mad, that God loves you, that, that there's a plan, there's a purpose, that, that there's, there's an anointing. Jesus died. You can give your life to God. You don't have to die in sin. Full of grace. Seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. But we go full of salt Man, you gotta quit acting like that. You're such a sinner, such a dark world. It's so demonic. You're gonna go to hell. Hell is real, and it is, but you know what? You, God's probably mad at you. You don't even know the condition of your heart. Your heart's just wicked, just full of salt, seasoned with grace. Oh, but you can get saved. And, and, and God's saying to live different, that we'd be light, that we'd be full of grace. I'm not saying compromise your values, guys. And come on, my values are stronger than they've ever been. I'm saying decide to make relationships this Christmas season. Ask God, Barbara, you said it to me today. You said it in your, in your connect group. Begin to pray to God. God, show me one person I'm supposed to impact. Show me one person I'm supposed to do a good work for so they can see and glorify you. Show me one person I can make a difference in their life this season. Show me one person. And I promise you, as you give today and as you believe God today, you're going to impact a lot more than one person. We've seen over 700 churches planted 
just, just in the church planning organization that we're in, 300 this year, 1,200 overall with a different organization, and, and 75 in just this year so far, half the year, churches being planted around the world. People being fed, people giving their life to Christ. I just want you to just right now, I just want you to just look in your heart and just go, okay, God. I know some of you have been praying. We're, we're going we're gonna to do this together where we're just going to say, you know what, we're going to make a difference. We're not trying to make a point. We're trying to make a difference. Ushers are going to put some of these buckets down here. And here in a second, I'm going to pray over everybody's offering this year. I don't know what you've chosen to do in your heart. Maybe you're a guest with us. And, and this isn't no, no pressure on you. We, we haven't been asking people to give money. We've been asking you to ask God what you'd do. My wife and I prayed last night and said, God, what would you have us do? And we're, we're in this with you. And I'm going to pray a prayer after we, after we give. We're going to go into worship. And we're just going to sing a worship song and we're going to worship over this offering because that our church would be light in this region, that we would be an influence, that we'd be able to permeate and penetrate darkness. I think our church is called to be a light, a city on a hill. Our church is called not to cover our light, but to be bold and to be influential in this region. And we're just getting started. So just as you're sitting there in your seat, there's an envelope. You can put something in that. You can even give online. There's ways, I think, online you can text. If you don't have a credit card, you don't want to do it like that, or have a check, or you don't want to do cash or anything like that, you can give online. It's very simple. You can do that. I think the number will be on the screen. You can text or give online. No gimmicks. Listen, guys, I just ask you to hear God today. I, I pray that we'd all participate, and, and I pray we'd participate joyfully and sacrificially. Now, don't, don't do what you can do. Do what God would put on your heart. And if, you, if you're here and you don't, you're new or you, you're a guest, pull a wrapper out of your pocket and put it, in the, put it in the bucket. I don't care. Do something. Just a, a movement of action that we would be the light of the world. Our world needs light. Come on, let's just be heartfelt right now and hear what the Lord would have us do. And let's begin to worship God. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.